welcome to Fire and Water with Pleasance. I'm a multi-passionate Jew-witchy woman in total coherence with herself, rising Kohenet, that's a Hebrew priestess, and adjunct professor. In these creations, I dive into topics of healing and wholeness, all at the intersection of intuition, intellect, and integration. These creations are within the context of a more liberated, just, and equitable world. Working with elemental healing, nervous system repair, natural rhythms, and regenerative practices, I bridge the past, present, and future, weaving in global wisdom traditions and mystical teachings, translating them for our modern lives. We orient towards physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic, and relational health, exploring death and grief as intentional living practices, ancestral reverence and healing, and we'll dive into rituals and ceremonies and practices for daily life. Let's talk about the great mystery we are living in, the sacred and mundane, the domestic and the divine. Welcome, wise ones, seekers, old souls, modern mystics. Those of us who have a deep reverence for spiritual and divine realms and who also pay bills, maybe raise kids or communities and tend relationships. We are the people who want to heal the earth and her children. Join me in this wild, weird, and wonderful world. And may these creations be of service to your head, heart, hands, and healing. In December 2021, I attended a legacy trip to Alabama. Legacy trips were created by Tina Strawn, and this is a pilgrimage to sacred land in our country about our history. On this trip, I met amazing humans. I learned from amazing humans, teaching, sharing, learning, growing, discovering discomfort, pain, and facing the truth of our history. I'm recording this series of follow-ups a month later with participants and teachers from our trip to integrate, to share, and to um, deepen our experience together now, back in our lives after this amazing, powerful, transformative trip to Alabama. All right. Hi, everyone. So today we are talking with Kelly, another amazing Legacy Trip member. And Kelly, tell everyone a little bit about you and why you decided to go on this trip. Sure. So um, I am a wife and a mom of four, and I am also a pastor of a church in Kyle, Texas, which is a small town a little south of Austin. Um, And for the past several years have just been kind of simultaneously on a sort of faith journey where I've been kind of reimagining and 
um, kind of tearing away a lot of things that I kind of noticed that were a part of my tradition that um, were oppressive to a lot of people, particularly people that, you know, are pushed to the margins and uh, just sort of started having my eyes open to the realities of racism and white supremacy and have been just slowly trying to learn as much as I can, growing, changing my mindset, changing my perspective. Um, and I had been wanting to do, I've seen a few different of these sort of anti-racist pilgrimages that different organizations had done. And I um, have always been really drawn to Tina and her work, listening to her podcast, um, as well as Corey Leak, who also was a facilitator on this trip. And I saw that there was a trip happening and I was like, you know what? why not now, <laughs> you know, now is as good a time as any, and just really felt like it was a very key and necessary piece in my journey to being anti-racist, and um, yeah, so I just felt like it, it was, I, wa I wanted also to, I wanted to invest in that, I knew that it mattered, and um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that pretty much sums up kind of what led me that direction. Was every, what, Everyone in your community supportive of you going and understanding it? They really were, um, you know, I, yeah, they, they really were. They were, um, you know, lots of positive and encouraging text messages from people in my church, you know, that were grateful. Um, and, you know, as well as, you know, my, my husband and my closest friends and, you know, they were all very supportive of it. All right, so then you get there land us in the weekend what were some of the highlights takeaways hmm. you know I think I think one of the highlights for me was the people that we were with um mm -hmm. I think there's just something so meaningful about and I I heard Jen say this like before we left on the trip Jen Kinney she tweeted, you know, I'm about to head to Alabama to bear witness mm -hmm. with some other folks. And I, that phrase bearing witness just feels like it really mm -hmm. adequately encompasses what was happening on that trip and in that room and in those conversations. So it was the, the uh, kind of collective, not only desire to learn and desire to dismantle oppression, and but it was also just this collective feeling of belonging and safety um, that was just stuck, it just stuck out to, even though none of, most of us had never met each other, you know, yeah. but for whatever reason, it just felt like there was this collective unified spirit, this kind of uh, sense of, of just, we were all there um, to bear witness with one another. So that was really striking to me, um, initially. And then, I mean, my goodness, I, I could go on forever. Um, I think, you know, the, the museum, I think was very, so profoundly impactful. Like it's hard to even put it into words what happened, you know? Yeah. It's hard to really put into words what happened It just that there was this overwhelming sense of, um, I think one thing that kind of comes to mind when I think about it is this passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews where it talks about we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. And 
there was something, it was like being in that space and hearing these stories and reading about all of these things that took place, even on the actual soil we were standing on. Mm -hmm. um, there was just this sense of being surrounded by all of those, um, all of those ancestors that came before that, what they experienced and, and um, it just was so, it was so profound to see things and to learn things that I never knew and to even visually have this representation of some of these horrific things that happened just, I think, brought a brand new uh, level of grief and understanding. Mm. Um, and it like, because of that, it then, it just, there's just, just fire I feel in my bones that I'm like, this is work that just has to continue. I, I have no option, but to keep doing this work, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think also one of the things that I maybe wasn't uh, anticipating or didn't know that would happen is that the kind of building on what you said is like the depth of which I learned about some scenarios or um, like tragedies and difficulties that I knew the, the headline, but mm. then actually spending richer, deeper time researching, listening to mm -hmm. all of those uh, primary uh, stories and storytellers and videos and pictures, it gave a whole new texture. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I didn't remember or know ever, or did it ever land in my bones that um, the boycott was a year. Yeah. And then really picturing my wonderful and lazy children walking anywhere for a year, miles and yeah. miles. Like just, I think also time of age and, and seeing all the pictures of the kids and the moms and the books and the purses walking and walking for a year. And the richness of um, listening. There was one video I listened to where they said, we didn't think that everybody was going to walk. We thought some people would just take the bus. You know, we didn't realize this was going to be. Um, and then the intricacies of how the community, people who had cars would have these drives and pick up people who are walking and sort of the behind the scenes. Yeah. Just as a community member in my own tiny community, thinking about things that happen and how we work together Together, it really struck me the depth and yeah. the texture of of a micro uh obviously this is not a micro incident but I'm saying sure. one tiny thing of the whole weekend it was that layered of the texture and depth to really wrap our heads around yeah yeah and I think there were so many moments like that too you know where yeah. you would go like you said you knew the headline but mm -hmm. then I mean I can remember walking around the the lynching memorial and just, I, I would, there were so many of the, you know, pillars. There were yeah. some that would have, you know, a couple names or, or one name or five names. And then there were some that would have like tw 20 names all on the same date. And so I would stop and I would look up that instance and it would be these mass lynchings that I never, I mean, never learned about, never heard about you know these things that had happened and 
And I think it's that, you know, where, yes, I knew lynchings existed and obviously they were incredibly horrific. And then to see the names and to be able to stand there and like hold those names close and, mm-hmm. and just, it was like the gravity of what happened, just think even deeper in my soul, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then to continue walking and yeah. to see, I think this was probably one of the other most impactful things for me was when they listed on the wall the reasons given for why people were lynched. And so many of them were, Mm -hmm. you know, um, was accused of, or or what, you know, was accused of talking to a white woman, uh, Mm -hmm. walked past a white woman's window when she was baking. Um, You know, I mean, and it, it just, again, for me as a white woman, you know, I had to sit with that and, and still to this day, continue to sit with that, of that reality of just kind of what my ancestors have been a part of and how can I break that cycle, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like, what's not the difference, but what, what would the reason be for someone to go on a trip like this, um, given all of the kind of online learning. And Mm. I think what I'm really starting to unpack with these conversations and just continuing to integrate is the level of bearing witness, um, and embodiment and integration Mm. that is really deeply needed for us to truly understand the pain Mm. in order to repair and have a more just and equitable society. But I don't know how we can, how we all do that without actually knowing these layers and levels at a deeper, more physical, sensual textured level. Yeah. That embodiment piece is so key. I think it's too easy to bypass with the mind. Oh yeah. I read that. I get it. That sucks. That's in the past. Let's move on because you don't see the way the museum maps out the story of where we are now. And in order to actually rebuild, um, or dismantle, it's going to take a whole different operating system. And I think Mm -hmm. if we just use the mind, we miss, we, we really are bypassing the stories of the body of the land of the history. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, I don't, I don't know how we can, um, I don't know how we can ever truly embody anti-racist, like be anti-racist without that embodiment piece. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't think, because it's like, it has to become not just something, you know, in your head, but it has to become a part of who you are. And it has to sink so deep within that it's like, you feel where you truly like come to that understanding of how we all really do belong to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and until we process these things in the context of community and embody that, I, I, I think that there's like, we'll hit a wall every time. I think, yeah. You know, I think that's why Dr. Resma's book is so important to the movement because it really addresses all of the types of bodies that are involved mm-hmm in these discussions. Um, and it still was a different impact than Mm. really making, um, 
the trip. And I'm, I realize and know the privilege in saying, go on this trip and have this sure. experience. And I'm curious, you know, it makes me think about, well, what, what's around us that helps us continue to bring that level of witnessing and grieving, right. Mm-hmm. In order to clear, um, the space for rebuilding in a, in a seeing with clearer eyes and, and yeah. more truthful eyes, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, so anything else from the weekend you want to bring up before we talk about once you got home? Mm, there was one thing for me that I think was um, a, a thing that happened to me or not happened to me, but that I witnessed was um, when we went to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma and did that walk as a team. Mm. Um, I really did. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've heard people say the phrase of like being on holy ground or hallowed ground, you know, and Mm -hmm. I felt that so deeply that day. Yeah. Um, and after we, you know, we had walked the bridge and we came back and then we had kind of taken some pictures with each other and, um, just kind of were with one another for a little bit. I remember I looked across before we headed back to the cars and there was an older black man who was walking on the opposite side of the street towards the bridge. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, kind of hunched over and was very slow in his movements. You know, you could tell that it wasn't real easy for him to walk, you know, long distances. And he just walked up to the bridge. And when he got to it, he stopped and he put his hand on it for a second and, and just stood there and then kept walking. And when we first started doing our walk across the bridge, I had this thought of how many people drive particularly white people drive back and forth across this bridge every day, you know, because it's, they live there and they're going back and forth to wherever and don't, don't think about now because, you know, it's just has become routine. Yeah. Don't think about what happened there. And as I saw him stop and do that, I thought, but I mean, there's a chance maybe he was alive when that happened. Maybe he was a little boy when that happened. Maybe he had family members, yeah. depending on, you know, if he's born and raised from Selma, maybe he had family members who were a part of that day and that lives within him. It's not something he will ever forget. And it just was really profound to be able, again, to bear witness to that and, and to just think just how there has got to be hope and grief mixed in, you know, where it's like, there have been my, there have been strides made and yet, you know, it's, it's hope and it's grief together. Yeah. That really is such a, was such a, like a theme with our kind of closing was how Mm -hmm. to hold both. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's really stuck with me in lots of different, Mm -hmm. different interesting ways. So you get home how was reintegration and kind of these past few weeks and yeah, what now? Gosh, I think it was kind of, it was one of those experiences that I was trying so hard to communicate to people the magnitude of what happened. And it was just, I found it very difficult to put it into words because a lot of it felt like something, it was something that happened deep within me that was hard to explain. Um, But I, wanted to share that with as many people as I could, because I just, I really do believe that. And like you said, it is definitely, it is a privilege to be able to do a trip like that, you know? Um, And I just felt this pull to just 
just share my experiences in the hopes that maybe that would help kind of spark that interest in others, you know? So I shared it with my family. I had some good conversations with my kids just as a reminder of like this work, it keeps going, you know, and we're, we have to keep doing this work. And um, so those conversations and then uh, with my congregation, you know, being able to share my experiences and to present the opportunity and to say, you know, listen, if, I mean, I, th I think it's important that people, that people invest in that, but I was like, I don't ever want, if someone wants to do this trip and they genuinely can't afford it, I'm like, that's what the church is for, <laughs> like to help, you know, to like help people who can't afford it. And so I think just sharing my experiences. So integration has been, um, I was curious coming home because I've had these experiences before where I would go on a retreat or I would go mm -hmm. and do something. And you know how you kind of have almost like that kind of, it's like this afterglow experience, yeah. you know, where you come home and yeah. it's like, you, you feel like, yeah. so like you're flying high for a little bit, but that's so why I was kind of like, kind of going, okay, is this, am I going to eventually, is this going to be like, oh yeah, that's something I did. You know, it just hasn't left me. And yeah. Yeah. if I start to feel it leave me, I sit with it for a while because I, I've realized like, I don't ever want that to leave me because I think it's important that I keep those things close. Um, and so I have found myself like, you know, I'm like, gosh, I want to go on another trip, even though like I've already been there and experienced it. Like I, there's part of me that yeah. just really wants to do it again, because it just was, yeah. it was just so profound and so impactful. Yeah. So, yeah. So now I think moving forward, it's like, okay, you know, looking at my community and going, okay, in what ways can I uh, continue to be involved in this work in my community? You know, because it's, it's one thing to do the work and to change internally, but again, you know, that embodiment piece, like if I'm not living that out in my body with other people in my community, then it's, that's not taking it all the way from point A to point Z, you know? And so um, yeah. just really finding ways to do that and finding ways to continue the conversation with my church. You know, I have a predominantly white church. And so it's like yeah. leading them toward that work, not leading them in it because yeah. that's not my place, but <laughs> leading them toward that work and encouraging them to continue that work um, is so vital. Um, and so that's kind of been, for me, that's kind of the what's next, you know? So. Yeah. Like a, you could do a church legacy trip with your, <laughs> with your church yeah. Yeah. Right? members. I'm curious. Um, last question promise is, sure, no, this around, is great. <laughs> you have a range of ages of your kids. Um, mm -hmm. and so I'd love, especially, I know a lot of people who listen and watch us have a big range of ages, what were your mm -hmm. kind of strategies or how did you work with when you got back, um, with your mm -hmm. different age kiddos? Yeah, I think, um, my conversation with my older, like my teenage daughter, for instance, she's yeah. 16. Yeah. That was a longer, more detailed conversation. You know, yeah. it was, I shared a lot of details about what I witnessed there yeah. And, you know, especially talked about that white woman piece with her, you yeah. know, because yeah. she's a white yeah. woman, you know, um, 
And so I think that yeah. it was just more details of the, of that and kind of inviting her into that work too. And then with my, my six-year-old, yeah. it was, you know, he was like, where did you go again, mom? And so it was like explaining to him where I went. And it was like, you know, kind of connecting the dots of, you remember in school when you learn about Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh yeah. And then like talking about, you know, that with him mm-hmm. and kind of connecting those pieces and, um, and then just, you know, as part of that conversation, just being like, yep, we as white people have a lot of work to do to make the world better. And, um, you know, and so I think it just, really, it was in just kind of coming down to his level and, and sharing with him what I thought his six-year-old mind could yeah. carry, you know? Yeah. Well, Tina, I know Tina has been talking about doing a family trip and I definitely was like, oh, I want to. I'd be so in for something like that. Oh, I would too. um, The other thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is our children's 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 children, let's say, are going to look back and talk about this time that we're in because this Mm -hmm. is a really powerful time, Mm -hmm. really powerful. And one of the things I kind of balanced when I got back with like how much to like, come on guy. Like I showed them pictures and we sat down and we had these conversations mm-hmm. and then they were like, okay, cool. Like they were into it. And then just kind of were like, <laughs> yeah. went dinner, you know, like, cause right. they're like, and I kind of, I remember I woke up the next day and I was just kind of like, it's okay because this, like the, I, what I know, what I noticed was an urgency, this, like, again, this like white urgency of like, they got to know mm-hmm. more and I'm not doing enough. And this kind of like rhetoric around worthiness and like action and shoving things down people's throats with, uh, which I don't think is appropriate in our family dynamic. That's not Mm -hmm, how I parent. mm -hmm. Um, and so I really came to this kind of like heartful place of like the, the wider, deeper generations will know like, well, what did your, what did your family do or whatever? And then they can like literally with pride be like, we learn, you know, this was part of what our great grandmother did or great, great, great grandmother. Like they showed us these pictures, they kept this going. And so I've really been kind of using that framework of the future um, to help with the integration, not being so um, fast paced. Yeah. And it also kind of gives like the nervous system a little bit of settling. I'm not off the hook. Let me be clear. Right, right. A lot of work to do. (laughs) And it will unfold so that the story over the ancestral time is about what. Um, some of us, like what many of us did over this time, it's not about me. It's not about that. The individual It's about what the collective did over this time. And when you, when people listen to Tina's story about when, why she created legacy, it all came out of this pain, um, from witnessing these murders on, on TV and the videos over and over, and then creating this thing that then brings us together. So it's this wider, bigger story that mm. just like you said, we are sort somehow magnetically pulled into. Yeah. You know, there's this pull. Yeah. I love what you said about kind of that white urgency, you know, where it's like, and I remember even on the trip, I remember Corey saying, you know, t- challenging us to kind of think through what our next steps are when we got home, but saying for some of you, maybe you need to not do anything right away. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that I was like, yep, because what 
what does that supremacist, like white supremacist, what does that tells us that we have to step in and we have to be the ones to, to be the hero and make everything better. And it was just this reminder of like, like you said, it's okay, like to have a conversation with our kids and have them go about their day because that's not going to be the last time we talk about it. And it's not, 100%. it's, yeah, it's not this, like, let's do this anti-racism journey for two months and then we're right. done. It's like, no, right. this is pretty much like, we're in this for the long haul, yeah. the rest of our lives, you know? And so you can't, you have to like make it. I think that's key with my kids. It's figuring out how do I make this just a mm. normal, right. regular part of our rhythm Right, you know, regular part of our conversation because I think that in the long run that actually will probably allow the roots to settle in deeper yeah. than if we're trying to like you know yeah. be the savior that swoops in in two months and makes everything better, you know. And I know um, because of your work how much you care about humans, and I have this same kind of like internal predicament around white saviorism and loving humans and caring. Mm -hmm. There's this very interesting intersection um, where the white part becomes more harmful rather than mm -hmm. the walking with humans. So I think I'm saying that out loud for any people who listen to this or watch this, who deeply care about humans and are caregivers and who take care of a lot of others and who are in white bodies, that there is, that it's, it's an important thing to keep in check that yeah. we're walking with, we're sitting with, or sitting mm -hmm. down or stepping back or being beside, but that if there's a, you know, sort of a habit of always taking the lead of, of doing something or starting something new to just kind of really check in with the, I think the why around that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you relate to that? Yeah, at all? I, 100%. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. And it is, it's yes. And we, for us, we have to admit that, you know, be humble enough to admit that, that like, yeah, it is a struggle. Like I have to constantly interrogate my intent and my why yeah. Yeah. all the time. Even when I, you know, even if I'm going to do a Sunday sermon about anti-racist work, um, we just did one uh, last two Sundays ago. And I had like the whole time, it was like, I had to deeply interrogate what I was saying, why I was saying it, my role in all of it, you know, because yeah. I just, I know that I am, st I still, there will be times when I still do get it wrong. And when I cause harm, yeah. you know, yeah. and the, the goal is to like, do that the least amount as possible, but we can't do that without being mindful and asking ourselves why, you know, like you said, yeah. Well, and I think it gets caught up in the other elements of kind of white supremacy culture around outcome, because mm. one of the things that I, that plays out is that kind of like over responsibility, over caring, let's just get it done and then move on. So it's like pace, urgency, saviorism, mm -hmm. like they get, it gets really sticky in there. And so the, for me, what's been super helpful is just the slowdown. Like literally, like I do this to myself, like just pull it back, hold on, hold on, like lean back, yeah. come back, come back <laughs> into yeah. your body. Like, okay, there's more here. Like this is not, you know, this is not something that needs to be hurry up and, and finish and put a bow on and move on and, and fix. And I think when you're a mother, when you are in clergy, when you're caring for people, when, you know, there's all of these layers. Um, 
And I just, I just, it feels important to say, cause I'm not sure how much people realize how intertwined some of these uh, have personality habits and traits can be mm-hmm. um, and how unhooking from it um, or at least being aware of it can help us yeah. slow down enough to see a wider vision. And that's yeah. like so delicious for all of humanity. Yes. Right? It yes. helps all of us. And I remember that's that it right there, like whiteness hurts everybody. Um, yeah. And that's part of the way is that hook into like, well, I'll just take care of it. I'll just do it all myself or I'll, mm-hmm. you know, get it all done. And so it's continues to be a real experience of deep, deep learning and yeah. humility. <laughs> oh, 100%. And realizing, I think what I continue to tell myself too, is just how, how important it is for me to continue to do that deep inner work that, you know, I, I can't, I will never arrive. I will never be done. And if I'm not doing my internal work, then I, what I'm doing is I'm then setting myself up to cause more harm, you know, by not taking care of what's in here first. And yeah. Oh, so good. Amen. Any final, um, someone's listening to this and they're like, Oh, I think I want to go. Anything you want to say to them? Any encouragement? I would, I mean, I'm like, just do it. (laughs) Just go. I mean, it, you know, I, I remember when we were there and they asked, kind of asked us each to say, why, why do you keep doing this work? You know, why do you keep showing up in this work? and for me, it's like once, well, number one, people are dying. So there's that, <laughs> you know, actual people are dying because of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's like, once you open your eyes to see, to fully see what's happening, um, it's like, you can't unsee that Correct. and that sticks with you. And this trip, if, if I would say this, maybe someone who is, um, maybe new to this anti-racism work or maybe has been doing it, but is having a hard time connecting that embodiment piece where it's a lot of head knowledge, a lot of books, a lot of studying, but is you can feel like that embodiment piece is missing. I would say that a trip like this will, will make that connection. And I think it will drop something within your soul that you just can't escape. And that will propel you forward to doing whatever you can to cause less harm and to make our world more just and equitable and safe for black folks. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Just been so wonderful to get to know you better. Thanks. Same. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great.